We're coming to two chapters today which are weird, as if some of the previous ones weren't. We're going to be looking at chapter 17 and 18, and I could not think of a better title. I tried, Kate said, Brent, that title is weird. Are you ready for the fall of Babylon? I mean, hello, what the heck is that all about? So you're going to have to bear with me because these two chapters actually speak about something called Babylon. Now you think like, has it got, got any relevance to our lives? Well, I believe it certainly does. And so as we went through uh, the great tribulation looking at, remember we, we looked at seven seals of judgment, then we looked at uh, the seven trumpets of God's judgment, we looked at the seven bowls, it was all this doom and gloom. And next week, or well, next time we look at the next episode, we're going to be looking at more judgments. What happens to Christians when Jesus comes back? What happens to Satan and, and the beast and the, the false prophet? All of those things we've mentioned. What happens to all people one day? But there's one extra judgment that God puts in right here. There's one more enemy because it said all of Jesus' enemies will be put under his feet. And today we're going to be looking at one specific enemy of Jesus that is brought under his feet. Do you remember that verse in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24? Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, well, you'd think Satan. I mean, you can't be a Satanist and a Christian. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You can't serve both God and money. If you've got an old King James version, it probably has a capital M and it says you can't serve both God and mammon. There's a, there's a force. Now, money is not evil. We know money is just a thing. But behind the things are often spiritual dynamics. What we're going to be talking about today is the spirit that's behind some of the financial systems of the world is a spirit behind the materialism, the greed, all of those things which seems to have such a grip on the world in which we live. Money's not evil, but the love of money is. Money can be a lord, it can be an idol. There's a spiritual power behind the economic systems of the world that are the focus of today's topic. And the Bible calls this system Babylon. So, Jesus is about to return. We've had all of these plagues and all of these judgments. And then the pause button is pushed. Revelation chapter 16, verses 16 to 19. And then we'll get into chapter 17 and 18. It says, Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. And we know that's the final battle when Jesus will return. We'll look at that in two weeks' time. Verse 17 says, The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. And here's our verse. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. At this moment, we need some kind of background ominous music playing. God remembered Babylon the great. It's amazing how the book of Revelation gives us a graphic picture of the spiritual power behind worldly systems of greed and consumerism. So we get to Revelation 17 and verse number three, it says, then the angel carried me 
away in the spirit into a wilderness. And there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. It's speaking about uh, authorities and powers. And the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The great name written on her forehead was a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. It's quite a name tag, isn't it? I mean, next time you get a name tag and it says Brent, imagine your name tag said Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. Anyway, verse six, it says, I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. So like, what is going on in terms of this? Well, actually, the last couple of chapters of the book of Revelation, we've been through the heavy drama and all of that. But as we get to these last couple of chapters, you could almost put a a title over the section, kind of like the tale of two cities. Because what we see is, is two drawn next to each other. We look at Jerusalem, which we'll look at in a few weeks' time, and Babylon. We look at the bride and the prostitute. We look at the real and the counterfeit, the kingdom and the world, the Christ and the antichrist, heaven and hell. And the big readiness, because we're talking, that's the big theme we're talking about, readiness. In Revelation 18, verses 4 and 5, it says, Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, speaking about Babylon, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Friends, I want us to learn today. I know it sounds weird to many of us, but there's a warning in here that is applicable to us as believers today. There's a preparation that we need to take note of. Let's learn about this Babylon system and what it means to come out of her. Now, most cities in the world were founded in the particular place they are for a reason. I mean, if you think about great big cities, London, New York, all of those, most cities are built around trade. They're normally built next to the sea. Normally there's a harbor there, or they're built next to a river. They're normally built on a trading route. You build cities there because the foundation stone is trade. It's normally about uh, a business, which can often be about greed, which can often be all about money. And the big idea is that Babylon represents a greed-based, corrupt financial system of the world and compares it to a prostitute. In Revelations 18 verse 3, it says, For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. David Pawson said it like this, But it will be corrupt and corrupting characterized by materialism without morality, pleasure without purity, wealth without wisdom, lust without love. The comparison to the prostitute is particularly appropriate, giving anyone what they want in exchange for money. And in some ways, if you stop for a moment and reflect, sadly, that sums up so many of the cities of the world right now. There's a a dark side to many cities. There's There's a corrupt system that makes many rich and many poor. Interesting is that Jerusalem, by contrast, 
was not built on the foundation. Jerusalem's not next to the sea. Jerusalem's not even next to a river. Jerusalem as a city was never built on a trade route. It was built on a place where an altar was built to worship God. And so we have these two cities, one built around trade finance and the other built on a foundation of worshiping God. And we're going to be looking at Jerusalem in the final section, chapters 21 and 22. But I want us to focus a little bit, why Babylon? What what is God talking about in this few chapters of Revelation? So let's have a quick history lesson about Babylon. Back in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 4, it says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come. Let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Remember that story? If you've read your Bible, you would have heard about the Tower of Babel. There it is right there. And guess what Babel became? Became Babylon, exactly. Now, there were three foundation stones we read about. One, it was a city built around man's efforts versus God's provision. Do you see how they say, let us, let us build our bricks and make them strong. Come, let us build ourselves a city. This was a city built in, not in submission to God, but in opposition to God. Some of you uh, older folk might remember sort of Frank Sinatra, you know, when he, he summed up the spirit of the age in his favorite famous song, remember? I did it. My way. I mean, that was kind of the, the voice of the age. That's, no one tells me what to do. I'm the captain of my own destiny, the master of my own kingdom. I did it my way. That was the foundation stone laid in the city. You sometimes hear that saying, I'm a self-made man. And cities are built on self-made men. Financial empires often built on corruption, greed, distortion, extortion, and all of these things. At the heart of this Babylon system is man's desire to be independent of God, not to serve God, but to be God. Second, it was a city built to man's glory with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. You know, the Bible tells us we were created for his glory. That's why we're here. We're here to reflect the glory of God. And This city was built on, we don't want to reflect God's glory. No, no, we want to build this to our glory. We want every other nation to look and see this amazing tower and glorify us. This was about man trying to exalt himself. And cities around the world have these big empires, buildings, stadiums, whatever it is, built to the glory of man. The foundational purpose of this Babylon system is personal glory and fame. And so many people will sell their soul just to get personal glory and fame. And third, it was a city built to settle and not spread out, built for comfort and convenience. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Can you remember what God said to mankind? The commission that God gave to Adam and Eve back in Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So God's direct command to Adam and Eve is, I want you to spread out. I want you to fill the earth. Man said, we don't want to spread out. We want to build a city. We want to gather. We want to come together. Protection in number. We want to be settlers, not pioneers. Ironically, cities have now become the most dangerous places. This Babylon system opposes and rebels against everything God has desired. 
So do you see the, the foundation stone laid in this original city of Babel? Independence from God, man's glory, not God's glory, rebellion against God's command. And so what did God do? Well, in Genesis 11, verses 7 to 9, God said, come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. And so the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it was called Babel, which means confusion, because there the Lord confused the languages of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And I'd love to say, well, that's the end of the Babel story, but it's not. Because sadly, they continued eventually to build the city. Eventually, that city became Nebuchadnezzar's base. The empire was led from Babylon. And sadly, because of Jerusalem's continued rebellion against God, because of their wickedness, because of their disobedience, they were eventually enslaved and God's people were taken captive into Babylon. So the question we've got to ask ourselves, this Babylon, I mean, now that God's wrath is going to be poured out in Babylon, is is this like an actual place? Is this a, a, a real place or is this a figurative kind of place? Well, interestingly, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, Peter, who was in Rome at the time, he said, she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings and so does my son Mark. So even Peter, writing from Rome, says, hey, this is the Babylon of today. So in Peter's thinking, Babylon didn't just represent a physical place, it actually represented kind of a city that stood opposed to God, a city to the glory of man and money and consumerism rather than to God's glory. And so as you read through chapters 17 and 18, which is your homework over the next uh, two weeks, I want you to look at it through that lens. Some people have thought, well, maybe, maybe Babylon will be rebuilt one day. And you can imagine back in 1980, Saddam Hussein, because Babylon, original Babylon is just uh, south of Baghdad in Iraq. And Saddam Hussein said, I'm going to rebuild Babylon. And you can imagine those who only read the book of Revelation, are like, there it is, told you, Babylon is being rebuilt. It says this, Babylon's remains, mounds of mud brick buildings, spread over about 30 square kilometers are in present-day Iraq, south of Baghdad. Starting in 1983, Saddam Hussein, imagining himself as heir to Nebuchadnezzar, ordered the rebuilding of Babylon. Well, actually, that didn't get far. Now it's kind of like a museum, a cultural museum. So some would say, no, no, one day original Babylon will be rebuilt. I don't think that's what the Bible is talking about when it speaks about Babylon. Some would say, well, Maybe there's a new Babylon, like Rome seemed to be Babylon there. Maybe it's like New York, United Nations, financial capital of the world, maybe. Well, the third option might be that it represents not so much a physical city as a spiritual one. Some kind of spirit behind which we see manifest in cities and nations around the world. Personally, I would lean towards that one, or maybe it's a combination was spiritual but worked out in some of the key cities in the world. But this Babylon system is opposed to the kingdom of God and its people. Revelation 17 verse 6, it said, I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore the testimony to Jesus. And when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. In verse 14, it says, then they will wage war against the Lamb. But the lamb will triumph over them because he's Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen and faithful followers. 
In chapter 18, verse 24, in her, Babylon, was found the blood of the prophets and God's holy people, all who'd been slaughtered on the earth. In other words, there's a battle. Saints, we should never feel comfortable in the system of the world. There is a system behind the world in terms of man's money, greed, empire building, independence from God. Believers should never feel comfortable with the economic systems of the world. We live in the world, but we're not part of the world. And we resist surrendering our soul to it. It's very interesting, because now God says, and I will remember Babylon the Great. Have a quick look at, at what happens in Revelation 17. We read a moment, again, moment ago, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. So how does God now bring judgment against this Babylon system? I mean, this is what these two chapters are about, which is why I want you to study them. I mean, could it be another round of plagues from the earth, hailstones and earthquakes? Interestingly, it's not. Verse number, chapter 17, verses 16 to 18, it says, the beast and the 10 horns you saw will hate the prostitute, Babylon. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts. Remember, we studied the beast a while back, some kind of political leader. And, and God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw in the, is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. What's it saying? It's basically saying this system is going to turn on itself. This system is actually, it seems, going to completely collapse from the inside. Revelations 18, 9 to 11. It said, when the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, woe, woe to you great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Chapter 18, verse 15. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn. It seems to me that this Babylon system comes crumbling down from the inside. And friends, it's, it's kind of happened before. I don't think any of you were alive in 1929, but remember the, the great stock market crash that led to the Great Depression. There's been other ones where in a day, stock markets have literally come tumbling down. Seems that this system, which looks so strong and so powerful, the big idea, believers must see that although the economic systems of the world look all powerful and in control, they come crumbling down in an instant. In Jeremiah 51, Hundreds of years before Jesus, I mean, Jeremiah prophesied, verses 6 to 8, flee from Babylon, run for your lives, do not be destroyed because of her sins. It's time for the Lord's vengeance. He will repay her for what she deserves. Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hand. She made the whole earth drunk. The nations drank her wine. Therefore, they have now gone mad. 
Babylon will suddenly fall and be broken. Wail over her. Get balm for her pain. Perhaps she can be healed. One of the commentators said it like this. When Babylon falls, there will be a worldwide economic collapse. Banks will close. Stockbrokers will jump out of windows. Thousands will have heart attacks and strokes because all of their security was wrapped up in what they owned. All of it will be gone with no help coming. Sure. I know it's gloomy again today. This is this book that we're reading. But church, there's a big lesson that we need to learn. And so what I want to do for the next couple of minutes is, okay, now that we've read about all of this weird Babylon, what the dickens does it have to do with me and my little life? How do believers respond? Well, reading again from chapter 18, verse 4 and 5, I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her. My people. If there's one line I want us to take away from today, there it is right there. God's warning to the church, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. So what does that mean, practically? What's the big lesson I believe we should be taking out of this from Revelation? Number one, do not build the foundation of your life on the security of money. Let me say it again. Do not build the foundation of your life on your trust in money. Now, I know you think, well, that sounds obvious. No, no, that's what 90% of the world does. They build their lives believing that my foundation of my life is money. Money gives me security. Money gives me options. Money is my provider. Money tells me what I can and can't do. Money is what's going to protect my future. Money is what's going to safeguard my health. Money is the foundation of my life. And the big warning is God is saying that thing is going to come tumbling down. You can't serve both God and money. And the final thing Jesus wanted to show before he comes back is that enemy is going to implode. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Please hear my heart. I'm not against money and I'm not against wealth. Not at all. I'm against putting your faith and trust and foundation in money and wealth. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to preach poverty. No, quite the opposite. What I'm preaching is Jesus is the foundation of our lives. He's the cornerstone. And when we're at a place where we can sing, Christ is enough for me, can you still sing Christ is enough for me through an economic collapse? That's the question. One of my great friends, Mlin Nube, in... uh, in Zimbabwe, we've traveled together so many times in, in, uh, in Venezuela and Colombia and South America. And his testimony coming out of Zimbabwe, twice the government has told him, your money is now worthless. Facing a, a difficult economic future, saved up money, saved up money, saved up money. In fact, he came to Venezuela with us one year with a shopping bag full of cash. And he spoke to the Venezuelan people who were facing their own economic collapse. And he said, here was all the money that I'd been saving to protect my future. And in that bag were millions and millions of Zimbabwe dollars. And he said, well, today we're not taking an offering, we're giving an offering. And he began to hand 10 million 
20 million, and he handed out. He said, because we woke up one day and the government said, we're no longer using that money, you can throw it away. We're starting from zero and we're switching to US dollars. And so if you think you can store away money, 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 if everything goes bad, at least I've got my money. Well, he walked through what it's like to then be told your money is now worthless. But he said, let me tell you, God is faithful. That's what we're talking about here. To that place where we know, God, you are the foundation stone of my life. Money is helpful. It's a tool, but it should not be our master and it should not be our foundation. You cannot serve two masters, Matthew 6, 24. You'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And that's the thing. You cannot serve. You can use money. That's fine. But don't serve it. 1 Corinthians 3.11 For said, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Is that the foundation of your life? Because this message in Revelation is reminding the church, one day this Babylon system built around money and wealth and greed and consumerism, in one hour, will come crashing down. It's faith in Jesus for salvation and deliverance. Faith in Jesus to direct our lives. Faith in Jesus to be our shield and fortress. Not our money, our savings, our insurance, our retirement plans. They may be helpful, but they're not our savior. Number two, still with me. This is a big one. Do not become ensnared in debt. Church, hear my heart. We're not doing a finance series. We're not talking about offering at the end. Don't worry about it. But, but hear the heart of what this book is trying to teach us. This Babylonian system wants to rule over. And so the danger is getting into debt. Romans 13 verse 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Church, our posture as followers of Jesus should always be to walk out of debt and not into debt. Now I'm not talking about buying a home, something that's got great increasing value. That's an investment. I'm talking about all of those accounts, those credit cards, those extra mortgages, all of those things to get what we want now because we really need it now. Talking about trusting in, in, in the savior of another loan rather than trusting in Jesus. Debt takes away our freedom. The Babylon system wants to be your master by enslaving you into debt. I must have it now. Materialism, my status is in my possession. Consumerism, it's all about me and my comfort. These are false gospels. They promise salvation but enslave you. They promise fulfillment but leave you empty. They promise significance but leave you feeling worthless. Friends, if you are in financial debt right now, this message is for you, even if it has to come out of a weird preach about something about Babylon and all of that. My challenge to you is make it your spiritual act of worship. Just say, Lord, help us from this day to turn our direction, no more going into debt. Now I get, like you, messages on my phone almost every day. Hey, you've qualified for a new loan, a this, a that, a that. It's so quick, so easy. Sign up today and you get all of this, 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 this. The system of the world wants to enslave you in debt. God's word says get out. Because once you're in debt, first thing that goes is your ability to be generous. And suddenly gone is the peace and joy of using finance to serve God. Now you're enslaved to serving it. Church, hear our hearts. And then thirdly, 
We're talking about come out of this Babylon system, my people. Number three, do not be deceived by materialism and consumerism. Matthew 6.33, it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, don't be seduced into a system that ensnares. Your identity is not in your car, the size of your house, your possessions. That's what the heart of this thing is. The system is trying to get you to find your value in what you own, your status in how much you have. That's why it's a false gospel. Our identity is in Christ. Our value comes from our heavenly father. Our fulfillment is in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Be content. Paul said, learn the secret of being content. If the enemy can get you discontent through social media and advertising, and imagine how amazing my life would be if I had that car, that house. Now, I'm not against beautiful homes and beautiful cars. What I'm against is the underlying spiritual ensnarement where that has become the source of your identity and the foundation of your life. Don't sell your soul to this Babylonian system of the world. Matthew 16, verse 26, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Yikes. It's very quiet once again. Even the rain has stopped. I know this is the weirdest sounding sermon. Are you ready for the fall of Babylon? Bible predicts it. Now how it's gonna happen, when it's gonna happen, I don't know. But remember, the purpose of this journey is readiness. And I believe God's word, the lesson we need to learn out of this is what is the foundation of your life? What is the source of your identity? Who are you looking to as your true savior? Isaiah 21 verse nine, look, here comes a man in a chariot with a team of horses and he gives back the answer. Babylon has fallen has fallen. All the images of its gods lie shattered on the ground. Revelation 18 verse 20. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her with the judgment she imposed on you. Final quote, apostles and prophets are commanded to rejoice because this is the system that persecuted and laughed at the church. This is the justice of God. Sure. It's quite an interesting book we're reading, isn't it? But I believe God wants the church to be ready. God wants us, church, to be ready. And I'm praying that for each one of us, let the Holy Spirit search our hearts now. Don't wait for then. Rather now, let's make the adjustment, build ourselves on Christ alone. Can you say amen to that? If you don't mind closing your eyes just for a moment. Friends, I've given you an overview, but I'd love you to read those chapters. Chapters 17 and 18, by the help of the Holy Spirit. But Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you've given us this book for a reason. And Father, we want to have ears that would hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Father, help us to be those who are in the world, but not of the world. We thank you, Father, for your provision. Thank you for blessing. Thank you for the finances that you've richly given so many. Father, thank you for that. But Father, if it's become a master, Father, if we've allowed ourselves to start serving money more than we serve you, then today we want to repent. Today we want to confess it as sin before you. 
We want to turn our lives around and say, Jesus, you are my Lord and Master. Maybe allow the Holy Spirit right now. There's three points that I mentioned. What is the foundation of your life? Are you truly trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Or have you fallen for the world's money makes the world go round? What about debt? Have you allowed yourself to be drawn into debt because money's going to save me or because I need it and I need it now? And what about materialism and consumerism becoming your value and your identity? Holy Spirit, would you shine the light of conviction in our hearts? We want to respond. Thank you, Jesus. Just with our eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning, and yep, maybe this is the weirdest sermon you ever heard, but something has gripped your heart. You see, this book is about a king who is returning, and his name is Jesus. And once he returns, then it's too late. Then he's back, not as Savior, but as Lord to judge the earth. And if you're here this morning and have never put your faith and trust in this Jesus as Lord and King, then the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so, Father, I want to thank you this morning for your amazing grace. Thank you, you're the God who heals, the God who restores, the God who forgives. I pray, Lord God, that not one person would leave today without having you as Lord and Savior of their lives. Thank you, Jesus. And God's people saying, Amen. Amen.